From Odyssey, I'm Lauren Berry, and this is the On Deadline podcast, where we take a closer look at stories from our radio newsrooms across the nation. Today, On Deadline is looking at the southern border and the tensions building there between the federal government and Texas officials. Last year saw a record number of migrants crossing the U.S.-Mexico border illegally, with 2.5 million in the fiscal year 2023, according to the Migration Policy Institute. The sheer volume has caused an uproar among conservatives, who say the situation is a crisis. A rallying cry of both 2024 GOP presidential contenders is about battling the, quote, open border. Issues surrounding the influx of migrants have grown so tense that a majority of Americans say immigration is the nation's biggest issue, not inflation, according to a Harvard CAPS Harris poll. Throughout last year, Texas Governor Greg Abbott implemented several different plans to try and stop border crossings. He put a floating wall in the Rio Grande at Eagle Pass and worked with other Republican governors to ship migrants out of Texas to liberal-led cities like San Francisco, New York, and Chicago. Texas's latest attempt at stopping border crossings involved installing razor wire in Eagle Pass, a crossing hotspot. However, federal officials argued that that razor wire prevented the Border Patrol from actually doing its work. But then state officials stopped them from entering the area to take down the wire. The issue was even brought to the Supreme Court. They ruled that federal officials could take it down. And Abbott, did he give up? No. He mobilized the state's National Guard to once again erect the wire. Now both sides are in a standoff. Helping to break down the situation, SMU political science professor Matthew Wilson joined Odyssey in the Lone Star State. The president is kind of in a bind because I don't know how much he wants to escalate this thing, but he doesn't want to be seen as weak on it. That's right. He really is in a bind. Uh, And Abbott is pretty bold. Governor Abbott is bold because he senses that he has the weight of public opinion behind him. This is an issue where there's pretty wide public dissatisfaction, especially in Texas, with the president uh, and with federal policy. So, you know, uh, Governor Abbott is not inclined to back down, and and that really puts uh, President Biden in a tough spot. It seems to me this is kind of remarkable. 25 other states have now signed uh, some type of letter saying that they support Texas's movements here. That's got to help him as well. That's right. Now, it's all, to to this point, states with Republican governors. So there's definitely a partisan dimension to this. We haven't seen any Democratic governors sign on to, to that statement. But still, the sense of solidarity uh, from governors of states around the country definitely buoys uh, Governor Abbott and, and strengthens his hand. Uh, and it highlights the fact that this is a really central issue in this year's election campaigns, whether for the presidency, for Congress, for governorships, uh, etc. And so uh, I definitely think this is something that, that uh, has reverberations beyond just Texas. You talked about it being a central issue. One of the things, and I try to word this as as carefully as I can, but, you know, uh, Governor Abbott's move to ship uh, immigrants to Chicago, L.A., New York, very bold at the time. Does it seem like it's working now? This is a central issue in, in very liberal cities? Yeah, I would say uh, that Governor Abbott has to be pleased with how that worked out. Uh, He got a lot of criticism for doing it at the time. A lot of people said it was a stunt. But one thing it did serve to do was to bring the issue home in places like New York and Washington, D.C., where there's now an outcry in those cities about being overwhelmed by, by migrants. And it has made it more of a national issue. And public opinion polls in Texas have shown that a majority of Texans support what the governor did as far as that policy goes. So I think he's pretty 
pretty pleased with the way that that has worked out. It served its intended purpose. And what are the president's options here? Can he back down or, or what do you think his his move is here politically, keeping that in mind? Right. And there really is a key distinction between what he can do legally and what will work politically, because legally it is the president who holds the stronger hand here. The president can federalize the National Guard uh, and take direct control over those National Guardsmen at the border, take that away from the governor. But politically, that would be a really bad look, and it would play right into Republican hands for Republicans to be able to say, look, the president of the United States has seized control of the National Guard in order to prevent the National Guard from enforcing border security and immigration law. That would be exactly what Republicans would say, and that would politically be a terrible look for the president. So that's why he's in a bind. He holds the cards constitutionally and legally, but he's in the tougher spot politically. Abbott claims that the Constitution gives him the authority to secure his state and in turn the U.S. border with Mexico by any means necessary. In a statement last week, the governor cited Article 4 of the Constitution, which guarantees to states that the federal government, quote, shall protect each of them against invasion. The federal government has broken the compact between the United States and the states. The executive branch of the United States has a constitutional duty to enforce federal laws protecting states, including immigration laws on the books right now. President Biden has refused to enforce those laws and has even violated them, Abbott claimed. Now Republicans from across the country are backing Abbott's act of defiance. But a state calling its own shots where immigration is concerned has some worry that this could lead to a potential civil war, at worst, and at best, even further divide the union that at times seems to be straining at the political seams. Stephen Vladek is a professor of constitutional law at University of Texas, Austin School of Law. He joined Odyssey in L.A. to discuss the worst-case scenario. I mean, I, you know, I don't even know anymore uh, how seriously to take some of this stuff, but there are people who are actually thinking that, well, this could lead to something really serious because, as I just said, the Texas governor, you're governor in, in that state, doesn't want to back down, doesn't want to take down the wire. Uh, the federal government has the right, according to, as you know, the court decision to do so. So what happens now? Yeah, I mean, I think we have to be careful to separate out the political posturing from what's actually happening legally. So, you know, there's a disconnect between Governor Abbott, for example, saying publicly that Texas has the federal constitutional authority to ignore federal statutes to override federal authority versus what Texas is arguing in court, which is much more modest. Um, and so I think this is really a political tempest in a teapot, but that the, le the legal litigation, the lawsuits that are unfolding, that's where the real fight's going to be. And and frankly, it's where Texas has been losing and is going to continue to lose. So the governor you're saying is saying one thing for public consumption, for political consumption, but he must know that in the court, his own people are making a very different argument, a much more nuanced one, right? Right. So to take just one example, so one of the disputes between the federal government and Texas is over whether Texas can place these movable buoys 
in the Rio Grande. In that case, Texas has said that the federal statute that that the federal government says bars Texas from doing so should be interpreted with respect to Texas's constitutional authority, but not that Texas's constitutional authority overrides it. Compare that with the statement Governor Abbott released on Wednesday, where he says, we have the right to ignore federal statutes. So there's a difference between what he's saying for the cameras and what his lawyers are saying in court, because in court, the law is clear that the federal government, whether you like the policy of the Biden administration or don't like the policy of the Biden administration, gets to have the last word. The governor must know all of this. I mean, he's not a stupid guy. Uh, so is he saying all this because he figures that at the end of the day, the state, Texas, is going to have to follow the court rulings, will probably have to take down those wires, and then what? Then he goes back to his constituents and makes a, I hate to say this, but a federal case publicly of the fact that the, the feds came in and had to cut it down? Is that the idea? Yeah, and, and I think, you know, I think his calculation is that the politics are only in his favor because the worst case scenario is that he can blame, you know, at the worst case, the Supreme Court. That, you know, he's trying to, in his words, defend Texas from an invasion. Of course, that's a remarkably offensive overstatement. Um, and that if it's the courts who stop him, he still tried. So part of the problem here is that the politics have gotten so far out in front of and so completely divorced from the legal principles that I think Governor Abbott is you know, looking at this purely as a way of scoring political points. And if he loses in court, that's only a minor inconvenience. President Joe Biden has obviously found himself in a tough spot, and he seemingly made his decision on how to respond last week. In a statement to House Republicans, the president vowed to shut down the southern border, a dream for the GOP, if they passed bipartisan legislation addressing the issue. Here's the plot twist that no one saw coming. Despite the fact that Republicans have been calling for border legislation for months, they're now looking to tank the upcoming bill. Speaker Mike Johnson said last week that it was, quote, dead on arrival in the House. Among the reasons for not backing up the legislation is former President Donald Trump. He appears to be lobbying Congress to sit on their hands so he can use the border crisis to bring in voters for his campaign. To share more on this, Margaret Brennan from Face the Nation joined Odyssey. Former President Trump is uh, putting a just a crimp there between Republicans who want to get a deal done to get this figured out. But former President Trump does not want a deal done on this because uh, this could play into a really good situation for him as he runs for president. Well, certainly based on the statements Donald Trump has made on the campaign trail and on his truth social platform, he is talking about the chaos at the border and certainly indicating that he wants to run on it for re-election, the, the chaos. And he's saying that any deal would, would help Democrats. Well, this is the difficulty. Republicans have said it is a national security crisis that needs to be dealt with immediately. That's why they've been negotiating uh, in a bipartisan way for the past two months, better part of two months, to, to get that done. So now that they're are close to closing this deal in the Senate with the White House. Uh, this is that outside political pressure that could make it difficult to get other Republicans on board with this bipartisan deal, particularly in the House of Representatives, where the Republican majority is razor thin. And it's not yet clear what the Speaker of the House intends to do. When I went with him down to the border, Mike Johnson told me he did want a deal and he felt it was a moral imperative to act. But he was very 
general in terms of saying what it was he needed in that actual text. And he still hasn't seen the deal that the Senate has negotiated with the White House. Uh, That's something we'll talk about Sunday with James Lankford, the lead Republican negotiator in the Senate. Well, and Senator Mitt Romney, Senator Tom Tillis, uh, both of them coming out very strongly saying this is ridiculous. Yes. uh, Senator Tillis's remarks and the senator from North Carolina is part of this group of six negotiating this deal. He was very clear that no president and no out or former uh, president should be able to influence this, that it is the job he was elected to Congress to do to deal with the problems at hand. Um, and that, you know, he, he very much made clear that he felt that uh, having an independent mind was important p- part of the job. So that's where the calculus in the Senate may be. And certainly Mitch McConnell, the minority leader, says he wants the talks to continue. But he was also addressing behind closed doors that political reality of how tricky these politics will be, particularly in the House of Representatives. Um, if Donald Trump is going there and essentially whipping votes against the deal, it could sink it. Now, one thing in the favor of this deal is the fact that Lindsey Graham, Republican senator from South Carolina, is part of that group of six. He is arguing, this Trump ally, uh, he is arguing that the deal at hand would actually give the president more power. And if it is Donald Trump, he would like to have those increased tools in his toolbox. That's his spin, he says he will tell Mr. Trump, in terms of getting him to back off uh, targeting this deal. With the border battle, inflation, opioids, foreign wars, and a plethora of other issues facing the country, Americans are in for a roller coaster of an election cycle. As things currently sit, most polls show Trump beating Biden in a hypothetical rematch of their 2020 election. Still, it seems like many fed-up voters are thinking about sitting the next election out altogether. According to a recent poll from Reuters and Ipsos, almost a fifth of all voters will not cast ballots in the next election if Biden and Trump are the candidates. So, with less than 10 months to make a decision, your job as a voter is to pay attention to the things that matter to you and to make an informed decision about who best represents them. Stay tuned to your local Odyssey news stations and subscribe to On Deadline for important information about the topics that matter. This show is produced by Joe Heady, Christy Strauser, Myron Kaplan, and Bill Smee. I'm Lauren Barry. Thanks for listening to On Deadline, Odyssey's serving of a top news story just for you. Subscribe on the Odyssey app or wherever you find your podcasts. 